0: I'm
1: Christina Bosanakis.
0: And I'm Gabby Godette, And you're listening to the TDNs Let's
1: Talk. Hi, I'm Christina
0: Bosanakis. And I'm Gabby Godette, And we're so excited that you joined us today because we have some fabulous guests on this episode. Uh, we started off with Liz Crow, BSW Bloodstock and Elite Sales. We also have Christina Blacker on from TVG and Anna Sites from Phasic Tipton.
1: And our topic today is a women in racing, managing families and their careers. We hope you enjoy it. I'll start with Christina because Christina, obviously you were part of a family where horse racing was very much part of your, your identity and your childhood. So tell us a little bit about that. And what do you think? How do you think that affected you?
2: Yeah, I think for me, so my dad was a jockey my whole childhood and Horses were something that we were always around. An animal we were always around. Horses were a big part of my life. I was show jumping and I was riding every weekend as well. But I didn't really have the awareness of what my dad did or that he was a professional athlete until I was much older. We kind of had our thing. He was gone on the weekends. We were going on the weekends with my mom, and I don't think I really put it all together in terms of it being a different family dynamic until I was older. I didn't feel like anything was lacking or anything was missing because I was at the barn with my pony and I was happy and my dad was out riding and we spent a lot of time with my grandparents and it was just sort of a well-oiled machine the way that we all kind of went through, through our lives. But now for me with the three girls, I will say it's getting harder at this point because they want to play sports on the weekends and they have dance recitals on the weekends and so my kids live a more traditional Monday through Friday at school weekend type sports activity life and Dan and I are not able to be there for everything and so that's hard I think going into our marriage I was very aware of how significant and how many sacrifices you have to make to live in this industry and to work in this industry and so it you were someone that's coming from the outside i think it might be difficult to adapt to this family lifestyle but for me having the background in it I, i it's hard i'll admit that but it's definitely something i'm willing to do because of how much you know dan and i love the sport and how passionate we are about it and i think as you go through your life as a mom you find mom friends that are on your team like i have one friend in margo's class her name is kate And I take the girls to every Tuesday practice and Kate takes them to every game on the weekend. And she sends me texts and she sends me videos and she sends me pictures and other moms reach out. Hey, I heard so-and-so is having a birthday party on Sunday. Can I take Violet for you? Like people get it. Moms want to help each other. Once they start to see where you might struggle with the schedule, it's difficult, but I think having grown up in it and having the background, I am able to juggle it just because I love, you know, Everything equally. I love being with my family and having that weekend time, but I also enjoy myself when I'm at work too.
0: Liz, I want to ask you kind of the same question too, because, you know, Christina obviously grew up in the industry, dad was a jockey, Um, whereas you came from a little bit of a different background, grew up in DC, your parents, I think, were in politics. Um, So, how, (laughs) number one, how did that? Transition come and specifically, though, what was your upbringing like? Was it more traditional? Like, when you did, you do sports, did you go to school, did you ride? What really did that look like for you?
3: You know, I think anything in this in any industry is like both my parents had their own business, so they were working, you know, seven days a week. So while they weren't in the horse industry, they were still working really, really hard. And, um, my memories of growing up is watching my parents kind of struggle through the first couple of years of starting a business and, um, juggling family dinners and like, you know, never really the four of us like sitting down at at one dinner table very often, but they would make up for it by like taking us to events on the weekend. Like they would, they, you could feel the sacrifices they were making in order to kind of make it feel a little more traditional. Um, But like kind of like Christina said, I didn't really notice that it wasn't normal because you don't really have anything to compare it to. So I wouldn't say we lived a very traditional like Monday through Friday, went to school and then on the weekends, like went to sports. I remember my dad saying in the car to me, um, you can't do soccer and ride horses. You need to pick one or the other. And I think he was really hoping that I was going to say soccer because it's like way cheaper and uh, way less time consuming. But I was like, oh, for sure, horses, like screw soccer. Um, so that was that was um the beginning of the end, I think, for um, you know, the direction my life was gonna take me in. But my mom grew up riding horses when she was little. So she kind of had an understanding of like the time and the commitment that it took, horse showing on the weekends and that sort of thing, um, which I think helped a lot. But it's like, as, as I've gotten older, I've realized that really no family dynamic is perfect, right? You're never, no one's always going to be able to be there for their, every single activity their kids have. And while I only have a five month old, uh, so I don't know what Christina's life is like, or Anna's life is like, where you're having to go to run around to all these activities. I just know that I just take it day by day and like, try to piece it all together the best I can, you know, do the best I can, I guess.
0: I, I want to ask Anna the same question, just to give her the opportunity to kind of give us an understanding of what your upbringing was like as well. Um, So can you just talk a little bit about, you know, when you were when you were younger and what kind of memories you remember about your
4: parents? Sure. Um, So I grew up on the farm. Um, I'm the youngest of five children. So it was a big country family, big Catholic family out in the country and grew up you know, always working on the farm, being around horses, and we had cat, milk and cow, and we had everything. So I was around animals all the time. Um, my mother did not work because she had five children in a very quick time. So she was home with all of us. And my father was building Brookdale Farm. He worked all the time. I remember going around with him when I was little, when because he actually worked for Phasic Tipton like 35 years. He was here when I was really little. I don't remember him being at Phasic Tipton, but he worked at Phasic Tipton, and then he started building Brookdale Farm. So I remember going with him around to farms and inspecting horses when I was like five years old. I remember going with him. And um, so I would say we did grow up in the traditional kind of family. Like family dinners were really important to my family. Like we all had to be together. We weren't allowed to play a lot of sports. Um, We were always working on the farm and stuff, but we were never, with five kids, there's just no way you could be driving kids like all around to doing different things. So we spent a lot of time out there at Brookdale, which was pretty cool. Um, And I see now, so I probably and most of my sisters do not work they stay home with their children and my mother did not work so for me I'm the first female in my immediate family that has had a career which I can definitely tell is um it's been trying it's been it's been different because it, like I didn't really know where I fit in kind of like I, I love being a mom, but I also love working and I really love my job. So um, I, there's been times when I could feel that my family was like, well, don't you want to just stay home with your children? And I, th- I said, I love my children, but thank God we have such a huge extended family. We have a ton of help. I've been able to do both. So it's been quite a transition and a lot of learning for me. and like Liz said, you just roll with it and try to figure it out as you go along. And we are starting to get in that we just started T ball this year, our oldest is five and you know started to get into the sports and um, but I find myself, pulling away. Like I don't want to come home at night just because I work so much and I travel so much. I don't want to come home and have to do sports all the time. So I'm hoping we can kind of limit it at least while they're small. That way I can be like every night we're out on the farm in the summer playing with the horses, taking walks. And because that's what I did when I was little. So I'm trying to give them that um, even though I'm not with them during the day. And if I'm at a horse sale, I'm not with them on a lot of weekends, as we know, the big days, I'm trying to do the best I can when I am home to be still at present in their life. But I um, hope that my boys and all of your children too, they see these strong women that are really into their careers and still also great moms. So I'm, I'm trying hard to juggle a lot and hopefully I'm doing an okay job. I'm sure we, um, I lack in some areas in certain times, but doing the best that I can to keep it all together.
1: I <laughs> but but um, Anna, actually you said something, which kind of leads into my ne- into the next question that I wanted to, to ask is, you're talking about you know your childhood and obviously you're from a big family several you know there's there's several brothers and sisters so you're a big group was it always clear to you yes I'm going to have a family and as you started getting into horse racing you're thinking okay now how are these two things going to work together like at what juncture did you actually have where you made a conscious decision of yes I'm going to have a family I'm going to have this career and this is and I'm going to go forward.
4: Absolutely yes. I always thought when I was young, my mom had five kids, so I was like, "I'm going to have six. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have six kids, and I'm going to live in a big house on a farm." I just thought like like you guys say, that's just what I knew. And then as I started after I left, after I graduated from Notre Dame, and then was working for Todd Pletcher, all of a sudden you have no life. You're just at the racetrack all the time, and I don't. There wasn't a lot of time for dating, and I just was so focused on working all the time, and then working at Phasic Tipton, and um, luckily, I met some Evan, my husband, who's amazing, and he like gets it. He gets the horse industry and he also gets my personality, which I got lucky. A lot of men would probably be like, wow, you're you're a lot for a female. And he's he lets me do my thing. He's very supportive. And I think that's at the point when I realized I could do both and I could have children. I'm not going to have six children, but I'm very happy with two children. And um, it's been it's definitely different than what I thought it would be growing up. But I'm, I really enjoy where I am right now.
0: So for Christina and Liz, I'm curious if like what that timeline was like for you two as well. Was this, was having a family always in the back of your mind, Um, obviously career, it's a very difficult decision and sometimes you do decide it and you plan it. Sometimes you fall into it (laughs) and I'll be honest, I kind of fell into it (laughs) as Christina and I have discussed. We had a long discussion on the beach about this
2: um so I knew you were pregnant that day too before you told me I don't know what it was I almost asked you like I was like three like, weeks going I on, on. I already now like, I, I, I don't know I knew but then obviously you never asked that question until you really know so.
4: it, <laughs> girls know girls know, yeah. you know
0: actually Christina and I we were sitting on the beach and she's like okay I think it's time for rosé and I'm like <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're like in the car and we're driving to the liquor store and I was like, I think it's now time that I should tell you something. <laughs> She's like, I knew it. So it was, yeah. Anyway, we, that's, I'm kind of getting sidetracked, but that, that is, I think a really important topic to discuss. Like we can start with you, Christina. Like, did you know this all along at what point in your career and your marriage did you think, okay, I think I'm ready for this?
2: Yeah. I mean, having kids was always like like a non-negotiable. I was going to be a mother from the time I was very young. I nannied all through high school, college, and even into my 20s. That's how I paid my bills. Um, And so children were one of my major and being a mom, my major goals in life. But where Dan and I kind of struggled was actually before that, because he was on the East Coast as an assistant trainer. I was in California. I was already working for TVG. And we, neither one of us wanted to give up. I didn't want to give up TVG in California. He didn't want to give up the idea of training in New York. But when push came to shove, we both realized that having the security of a job with benefits and a job that, you know, was going to provide a consistent paycheck for us was the way to go. So we dated for five years before we got married. And it was this kind of, what are we going to do with our lives? Where are we going to be? And so when Dan moved back to California, we got married in July of 2012. I was 30. So was he. And we had Margo the next July of 2013. Because I come from four. I've always wanted four kids and was always watching that you know statistic of your quality of eggs starts to decline at age 35. I was like, well, if I'm going to have four kids, like we better go for it. So I had the girls really quickly. I had three of, I think Margo just turned four. When Eliza, my youngest, was born two months later. So I was pregnant or breastfeeding for six years straight, like just boom, boom through the whole thing. Um, and it was a whirlwind, but having a big family was just always something that I wanted and that I couldn't picture my life growing up. Like my Christmases, there were a lot of people, a lot of cousins, a lot of noise, a lot of activity. And I want, that same family life and we have it now and it's a little too crazy sometimes, but it was definitely a goal that I had and and Dan too, obviously a common goal, but I think where our struggle was, was in the early days of saying, okay, how are we going to hold on to what is important to both of us career wise, but set ourselves up to succeed continually in our careers and as parents.
0: What do you think of that, Liz, as well? Like what, what was your process like?
3: I'm going to be honest. I really didn't think I was going to have kids. Um, Honestly, Anna and I have had this discussion a few times. (laughs) Um, You know, I think a lot of times in life, you're like always looking to see, okay, well, someone else has done this so I can do it too. But I honestly have never run into anybody with quite my travel schedule um, that has succeeded at having kids. Um, mainly there's not a lot of female bloodstock agents out there. There's a, now more up and coming. And obviously Mariette, uh Farrell was kind of the first one to dive in. And, and obviously all of us travel, Christina's constantly, I feel like traveling and Anna's is about to pack her life up and go to Saratoga for two weeks. And, um, so, so am I. And, um, so I was just like, can this be done? Like, can I physically have a kid be pregnant Uh, go through that process of, of not missing any sales. Um, I wasn't really sure, but I thought I'm getting, I'm just turned 33. And I thought I better, you know, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Um, My husband and I have been together seven years and he was kind of like, this (laughs) is, how are you going to manage this? Um, And COVID happened. And I kind of took advantage of it because I was like, I don't have to go to Saratoga. I don't have to go to nearly as many racing events. Um, sales, I was thinking were going to be pushed back. The typical horse industry, we just pushed them back a month and they all happened anyway. So I still ended up going to Ocala and Maryland and all those places. Um, I was so sick my first trimester. I was like just really, really nauseous. And um, so I was really happy that I didn't have to travel or go anywhere, um, thankfully. But I think it was just like, I didn't want to miss out. You know, I didn't want to sh- like at 40 years old, look back and say, okay, well, it's too late. And, you know, I wish I had done this. Um, and I think what's amazing is just your perspective on life changes so much when you have kids, which I'm appreciative of, like horse loses, you don't get quite as upset about it. You're like, life will go on. I have a beautiful baby. I have a great life. I have my husband, I have my mom, I have, you know, my family around me. And that's really the, what matters. And, um, even when we had like, we had a big weekend last weekend and had four maiden special weight winners, it was like, okay, but really that doesn't matter to me as much anymore. You know, like while I'm still a super competitive person, like if my kid is happy, I'm happy. And that's such a nice thing to be able to change perspectives on. Cause I used to just like lose a race and just not, no one could talk to me for like two days. Like my family would just avoid me, you know, when, when Latruska beat my girl in the apple blossom, I think all my family just retreated into like a hole and they were like, Oh God, let's not talk to Liz for like a solid week. Um, but I think it's just nice to have something else to focus your energy and, and efforts on and, um, and realize that like horse racing, while it's fun and we love it and everybody's in it. Cause it's, it's, um, it's the competition is that really it's, it's not as big of a deal, um, which I'm kind of getting off topic of your, of your original question, but, um, you can go off, as off topic as you want to, <laughs> but, um, I think I'm glad I did it, I guess. And, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a few friends in, in racing that have, have even texted me and been like, Almost like, um, not like thank you, but thanks for like showing that you can do this crazy travel schedule and have a kid because it's, you know, I did look at Anna and I was like, but Anna doesn't have to travel quite as much as I do. And I was like, and she's making it work with two kids, which is super impressive. But can I do it? And I had a C-section and had to go to OBS March three weeks later. I was determined to do it. I was like, I'm not missing horse sale. I'm going to prove to everybody that like this can be done. I showed up in sweatpants. I couldn't fit in my pants. I, uh, Caitlin who's on our team, Caitlin Jackson, um, you know, we had the golf cart and like, I would just like roll myself into the golf cart and like roll myself back out. And, um, and even being like pregnant at the September sale, I was trying to hide it because like, I didn't want everybody to, I just didn't want it to be like a major talking point of, Oh, you're pregnant. Like, I just kind of wanted to go look at my horses, do my thing. Um, so I kind of hid it up to a point, and then when I couldn't hide it anymore, it was like full blown. Everybody on the team had to be like, "Does Liz have water? Does she have something to eat? We have the golf cart." I was like this—I don't know—almost handicapped person that had to be
2: kind of carted around the sales and stuff. But I'm the worst. Done, and I was the same every time. Got so <laughs> sick every time, like sick until week 18, 19 every time. Delivered early every time. Worked too long a day on Pacific Classic Day in 2017. Ended up in labor in the hospital that night because I had just been out and doing too much. I wasn't due until October 15th. And it was like August 15th. Had to have someone else pack our whole house, me, the kids, drive us home. Because I was like, if I'm going to have this baby early, I want to have her in Arcadia. I don't want her to stay in the NICU in San Diego because my second stayed in the NICU because I had her early too. And I, you just do it though, don't you? Like you don't really realize at the time that you're probably pushing yourself too hard, but you just kind of get on with it. Like you say, day by day. And what do I need to do today? This is what needs to be done. And just kind of put on your big girl pants and go for it.
0: This is, I mean, i honestly, I'm predicting this is going to be my situation. Like fall starts weekend at yeah. Like I, I'm pretty sure that I'm convinced that that's going to
2: happen. I always felt some like confidence because the Arcadia Methodist hospital is across the street from Santa Anita. It was like the worst thing that could happen is like <laughs> the ambulance takes me across the street.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, you know, I know Liz had pointed out, she talked about uh, Anna and from what i know of anna anna's like a a traveling she's a beast when it comes to traveling because i've seen anna all over the world i've been with her in australia we've been I, you know we, i bump into her everywhere it seems like all across the country so anna how did it how did the travel directly impact you and especially when you were pregnant now you have a little baby you're pregnant again like tell us a little bit about that
4: it was hard. It was, I remember with my second when I was pregnant with Vincent, I had just found I'd, I'd committed to speaking in South Korea at this um, huge conference before I got pregnant. And then once I was committed, I wasn't far enough to long to be able to tell anybody, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go to South Korea pregnant. And like, what if something happened? So I was nervous about that trip because I was so far away from home and I couldn't tell anybody yet because it was still early. So I remember being. In South Korea and just being like feeling all out of my sorts but I was like you know what like you girls just said you just do it you just like get up you I had to do this huge presentation I was trying not to stress I think that's a big part of it like we're all so into our careers and we I think we're all probably perfectionists and that's puts a lot of pressure on your body so tr- me trying not to stress and trying to just like take it easy and like not overdo it because that's all I, I, I like go, 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 like we all do and wear myself out constantly. And so um, that was a big part. I was like trying to learn how to calm down. And then I had to fly from Korea to Maryland for the Preakness and then our big two-year-old sale. And I was like, again, I don't think I've ever been so tired in my life with jet lag and being pregnant. And that was hard. And again, I couldn't tell anybody because it was still too soon. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? You're so you're so not yourself. And I was just like, I'm just jet lagged. They're, like, How long is this jet I lag? You. <laughs> I was lucky I didn't have I didn't have, I wasn't nauseous. Luckily I didn't get sick, but of course both of my babies came really late. So I was like the opposite. They were, they were in there forever. I was still convinced that my first child was never coming. Even the day my water broke, he was like 10 days late. And my sister was like, you're having a baby. And I'm like, nope, it's still not happening. There's no baby. And I just was like in denial. Cause I was so scared of what happens next. Once you have a baby, like, how do I do this? And how do I work? And that was my biggest fear. How am I going to juggle something that's going to take up so much of my time? But I actually, planned my pregnancies in like our, uh, the one time it's kind of quiet at Fasig-Tipton. So looking back, I, both of my baby's birthdays are this the very end of December and January. So it's like Christmas, then these birthdays. And I'm like, but it was, I just felt like for me, that's my quiet time and it, I could take some time. But of course I was, I think I was at the February sale with a two week old or something, my first pregnancy. So I remember people, everybody just helped out. I remember being at horse sales and like, everyone's like, Oh, I've fed on his baby, a bottle on over there, pumping under the desk at the sale. Everyone's like fed my, ch- Yeah. Christina, oh. raise your hand. Like, like they were literally a week old and I would hand them over. I'll never forget. I was at the Gulfstream sale and I was still in maternity leave, but I was working and the baby needed a bottle and he was tiny still he was little. And I looked over at Michael Dubb. who was sitting at the sale and I was like, I've got to go talk to this buyer. Can you feed my baby? And he just looked at me he took the baby and he took the bottle and he gave him a bottle and I walked away and I kind of left for a while and I came back and the baby's sleeping in his arms. And his wife, Lee was like, he never gave any of his own three children a bottle and you got him to feed your baby. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, I, I didn't know what else to do. And he was sitting there and he looked bored. So I think that's just kind of how I am. I grew up in a big family. Like I said, the youngest of five, everyone took care of me. So I wanted my children to kind of be like passed around that same way. Cause that's how I was and they seem to be Um, adapting to all these different situations. And sometimes they travel with me, sometimes they don't, but they don't seem to mind wherever they go. And I think that's probably the same for all of our children is they're going to know their way around the racetrack and horse sales very well. And I'd say they'll all be hanging out and having fun. And that'll be fun to see them all grow up together. And um, they'll probably look back like, man, I was in a
2: lot of sales for a small
4: child, but that's just kind of our lifestyle. So um,
2: one thing is they grow up too, that I think is really fun. Like my girls are getting a little older. Margo's eight. Violet's six, Eliza's almost four. And right before the pandemic, I had three trips to Keeneland within six weeks. So the big girls each got to come with me. Margot came the first weekend and then Violet came the third weekend. And they still talk about those trips like it was the best time of their lives. Remember when we stayed in the hotel? Yep. Remember when we got Oreos at yeah. night? And it's <laughs> really simple things about the memory that they love. And then the horse business is such a family too. like Kate Galvin took Violet all day for me on that Saturday while I worked at Keeneland and Catherine Keneally had Margo for overnight one night and went to a baseball game with her son and everybody does just really pitch in and help out and as as hard as it is with the travel and I I you know, cry when the plane takes off almost every time. And then you also can't get rid of that, like morbid fear of like, what if something happens now? And now I'm going on this trip. Like there's just that little layer of that. I think that's always there once you're a mom, but once they can start coming with you too, it it's, it's something that a lot of other kids can't experience. People can't take their children into the office, but our office is so exciting that they can be there and participate and watch and learn and enjoy what we do just as much as as we do while we're out there.
0: That's it's funny because both Christina and Liz texted me um and said if you put anything on your ba- baby registry it has to be the Duna. The Duna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not, this is not an ad, <laughs> okay? But
2: it is a true sponsored story. by Duna.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sponsored <laughs> by Duna Um but Liz, you're kind of at a different stage right now. And, um, I know you travel a lot with your baby too. Like, how do you do it? Like
3: physically, (laughs) like what is, how are you doing it? Honestly, I wouldn't be able to do it without my mom. First of all, she lives 15 minutes from me and, um, is a very active, uh, grandmother. (laughs) We call her Gigi. Um, and she's traveled. She went to OBS April with me, Um, she's going to Saratoga on Tuesday and that will be my daughter's ninth and 10th airplane ride. And she's not six months yet. So we have been to, uh, three OBS sales, one phasic Tipton, Maryland sale. Um, we've been to, I'm trying to think, I mean, just like all over the place. And, um, my theory when I had her was like, I'm not just, she, she will grow up without seeing me if I don't bring her with me because like, I'm always gone. I'm, I'm really traveling. I'm supposed to be in Saratoga right now. I've never not been in Saratoga for an entire meet. I was there last weekend and I left her at home. Um, but I just, she's going to have to come with me or she won't even know who I am by the time she's like three. So we just load her up and we, you know, we pack everything and we kind of have like a system down of the things we take. And, um, obviously they'll change over time of what we need, but right now there's like eight essential things that, packed up and loaded up and off we go like a traveling circus is what I call my life um and uh luckily one of my clients gave us his house to use um for two weeks in Saratoga so like Anna was saying and I think Christina too is like just you find people that are helpers out there and like my client Marshall Graham uh, 10 strike Racing's the nicest guy in the world. He has, th- but he has three kids. So he, he's gone through it. And I was there last weekend and I like had to ask his wife awkwardly if I could store my breast milk in her freezer. And she was like, no problem. Like people are just happy to help. They know that you're doing the best you can and you're struggling through the process. And like, I, so I think that's a big key part of it is, is, um, you know, I saw Kate Galvin, kids and um and archie saint george's kids like running around the phasic pavilion uh, during the sale last week and they were like just trying to burn energy and it was like 10 kids in like one area and i was like this will be my kid in a couple of years
4: Run, 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 (laughs) get tired you know what i what i
1: think is really interesting is that i have a in my life and i don't have children I, in my life, I would do for about 10 years, maybe nine, 10 years, I would do the seasonal thing. I'd be in New Jersey in the winter um, and, or in the summer, and then I'd go to Florida in the winter. And now since I've been married, we have the luxury where we have a place in Florida that's ours, and uh, we have a place in New Jersey. And I'm fortunate in that way because before that, it was like a lot just for me packing my life up going to Florida for the winter was a lot of work. And I'm just wondering for those of you, especially who are traveling now, Ana, you're kind of in and out, in and out for the sale and that kind of thing. Uh, Liz, I think you probably, you may spend a little more time down in Florida for the winter. How do you, what did you do to make, to try to facilitate that and maybe overcome a little bit of that weight? You well, have. I
3: actually bought a house in Ocala in December, which was a super interesting experience because, you know, Florida doesn't totally believe in COVID. So like I was nine months pregnant, trying to like buy a house, trying to go in and out of like Home Depot and Lowe's. And I had to furnish the whole thing in like a month. So I bought it in November and was like, I can't travel in January because I was due in February. So I was like running around, triple masked, trying to like buy all the things I needed for this house to set it up to where when I came down for OBS March, it was like set up and ready to roll. Um, So that was really not the most fun journey I've had, but um, I do have a house there now. So like when I go down November, December, January, February, March, April, and June, I go to Ocala all those months I'll be able to take her and like have a place that we have all her stuff. So that'll be like one less place that I have to set everything up which is, is going to be really nice, I think. It's huge. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, so this is kind of like changing a little bit of direction, but um, the reason why I bring it up is because Christina and I kind of chatted about it um, a couple of days ago on the phone. And um, I think it's a personal, well, it's definitely a personal preference as to what you want to do about changing your last name, right, I mean, in this profession. And I don't think a lot of people talk about it, um, for me personally, I didn't change my name professionally or legally. I'm Gabby Audette. Uh, you're the same, Christina was nice. Um And Christina, kind of, if you could start us off with this and kind of tell us like what that was like for you, because it seemed like from the get-go, you knew exactly what you wanted to do.
2: Yeah, I, so I just never questioned it. I always intended to change my name personally and professionally right at the beginning. And I think a lot, large part of my decision was in thinking when we have kids, I don't ever want to have the conversation with them where they say like, why, why do you have a different name than us? Why didn't you want the same name as us? And I didn't know how I would respond to that. Like, I imagine if I'm having that conversation with say Margot, could very well have that thought now. I didn't want to hurt her feelings or say like, well, my, my work was more important to me or my brand was more important to me at that time. And so I was really more forward thinking about it and just thinking like the most important thing to me is being a wife and mother. The second most important thing to me is my children is my job. And so it was sort of setting the table for what how I would rank things in my life right away. And maybe I took it too seriously, or maybe I didn't take it seriously enough. Cause I had a lot of people kind of talk to me about it afterwards. Like, well, why would you do that? You know, you're on TV and, and you've established yourself and people are going to get confused. And I was kind of like, well, I'm not on the radio. Like people are not going to get confused. I'm the same person. You can see I me it made clear that I've gotten married. And that's why I have a different last name. Uh, so I didn't really understand that argument. And then I also, on the other like side of it, had some people come up to me and say, you know, that's really cool. I, I really admire that, that you would take his name, that you, and again, it just wasn't, I didn't really see it as this, as a big deal. I just knew when I had kids, I wanted us all to have the same name. I wanted to avoid confusion and I wanted to avoid them thinking that I was choosing work over them. And so that's why I did it, I think, from the beginning, but it was never again like having kids was always something I was gonna do. Changing my name was always something I was gonna do. I didn't sit there and wonder and ponder it ever.
0: Mm-hmm. What about either one can chime into this? Um,
4: what was that process for you guys? Anna, no, I- one- I have struggled with this one. I'm so glad you bring it up because it's nice to be able to talk about it. Um, so my I am my, my actual name is Anna Cianello. My real name is Mariana Cianello. And everyone like, who the heck is that? I'm like, that's me. <laughs> so I love my last name. I think it's one of the most beautiful last names in the world. And when I got married, I was assuming I was going to change it. But at that time, I was traveling internationally by myself all over the world as a female. And so I was going to these farms and to these sales. And I was going all these places. And my family... Had built this reputation because they have been doing international business for 30 years and everyone knew my family. And I was like, well, I'll just use sites for that because when you're in another country by yourself and you don't know anybody, they wouldn't see my last name. They would say, your dad was a good friend of mine 10 years ago. Please come to my farm. Please come have dinner with me. And that was like, so nice. And I was like, okay. So I technically legally changed it. And then I didn't have a middle name. So I just put sites as my middle name. And then like, everyone just kept calling me on sites. And I was like, well, eventually I guess I'll just change it. And then I don't know, it was because my husband's like, Are are you on a sites or are you on a CNL? And I was like, I'm both. I don't know. So it got complicated. And then I was married. And then like I still struggle with it sometimes. But um I I don't know. It was more just it's CNLO, it's got two N's and two L's. Everybody spells it wrong. And so I'm (laughs) like, I I which is these are dumb excuses, but it was just more of a convenience thing for me, I think. And then just like again with the traveling, and now it's like to the point where. I'm like, how could I change it now? Like, I guess I could just change it in my email, and eventually it would change. But then I just feel like it would. I deal with so many different people through my job in so many different places. I feel like it would just get really confusing. So um, I don't know. I've, I've struggled with it. My family, being as traditional as they are, how come you use sites? How come you use sites? I'm like, well, legally it's CNLO, oh, Everybody knows that. But and everyone knows I'm married. It's just it's just so easy sites. And a lot of people have said. Like you say, Christina, I've heard both. You can't change it, you can't change it. So I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I feel like it works for me for now at least. And if I eventually ever wanna change it, I think it, it, I just need to be more disciplined in my emails and stuff. And um, I don't know, I guess I have two last names. And I don't it's know just that funny I don't know. that you're still wavering. Like
0: it's still well, something that you're thinking about.
1: Well, I wanna jump in here for a second. Cause obviously for me, I think a big factor in keeping my name, A, it is my identity people call me C boss on air. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah.
4: A sites. Yeah. C boss. So yeah. It became really
1: part of my identity, especially on TV and that kind of thing. And I also think, but the second part of it is also in fairness, I didn't have children. Uh, and so that was not, that did not factor into my decision, but Liz, for you, your name is on your business. Like Liz Crow, let's like you, your name is like it's front and center Liz Crow. So how do you feel about this particular issue uh, in terms of, To do it, not to do it, and what it means to you?
3: I mean, I don't really think it's a major deal, to be honest. I mean, my name is my identity. Um, Like, why shouldn't my husband change his name? You know, I mean, it, I was born. Have with you this ever name. asked him that question? Liz. I don't know, but Actually he gets <laughs> called by my last name all the time, which is kind of cool. And I like it. It's <laughs> not, this is him off, but I think it's funny. Um, I don't know. My name's short. It's easy, um, yeah. to, to spell. It's easy to say. Um, although everybody always wants to put an E at the end of crow, but that's, that's not a big deal. His last name is very long. It's Nolte Meyer, And it's like, that's my daughter's last name. Um, You know, we went traditional and she has his last name. Um, I know that conversation, I guess at some point I'll figure out how to have that conversation with her. But um, like we talked about at the beginning, I hope she's proud of me for, um, you know, making a business and she sees that as something that she can look up to. And we're kind of proving that um, we can do that, that women can do anything men can do. And um, hopefully that will outweigh the fact that I don't have the same last name as her. Um, But yeah, when I first started out, first of all, I didn't totally think about having kids when I started my business. Um, I was 28 at the time. And that wasn't really, you know, on the forefront of my mind when we got married. Um, And I think things just, you know, I had a little bit of early success and, and my name got a little bit known, you know, with people. And I just thought, it'd be kind of complicated to change it. Um, and I just wasn't thinking about the kid thing at the time. And I guess now that we have two separate last names, I kind of don't like that. You know, I wish we had the same last name, but I just don't think it's a major, major deal. I think we'll be, you know, I don't think it'll affect things, just be maybe a little bit annoying when we're at like the doctor's office and that sort of thing to have to make sure they know what her last name is and stuff. But I don't know. I, I like to think of it as, um, as a positive, not a negative.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting um, because I've struggled with it too. I feel like I'm kind of in between Anna and Liz in that I do think it's a big deal, um, but it's like the convenience part of it. And then, you know, I want our child to have Norm's last name and there's confusion. It just like boils down to just confusion. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, But then honestly, it's like, sometimes I sit down, I'm like, okay, all of the things I'm going to have to change my driver's license, my passport, my bank accounts. Why do we have to do this? Um, And obviously it gets more complicated the further you get into your life. But um, yeah, I just think that that's um, just a very, it's kind of a polarizing topic, isn't it?
1: It really is. And I think that people, their impression, and again, I looked at it from one persp- perspective based on my experience and my position or my situation in life. But the thing is, what I find fascinating is that people often feel they can judge um, what it is, whether it's to change name, you know, whether we're going to change our name or not change our name or how we're going to raise our kids or, you know, like Liz was saying, you know, she's like, well you know, my, my child's on the, she, you know, Ella's on the plane with me, we're traveling. And actually I have a friend, a good friend of mine in Australia, Liz, who's exactly like that. Her babies were on from very, very young ages. They traveled children. That's what they knew. And they're comfortable with it. And I always applaud them because I'm like, you're a superstar. There's cause there's some people who are like, no, I I'm not going to do that. But you know, that leads a little bit into my next question, which I find really fascinating is, and I, Christina could definitely attest to this, Gabby. I bet you even Liz and Anna, to a degree. When I was on television, I would have people, they they feel they know you. They'll just come up to you. They'll say whatever they say about your life. Like, I had people coming and touching me. I had a guy once come and touch my boots because he liked my boots. She said boots. I said boots. <laughs> <laughs> Is this PJ? Is this PJ? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wearing my boots. Okay. On my feet. <laughs> Because that would be weird. That would have been well. That would have been extra weird. We've <laughs> had some of the others try the other one too. But besides that, the thing is, they would. This guy just came and touched my boots. Oh, I love your boots. They're so great. I'm like, why are you touching me? Why? Why do you feel that it's okay to? And I'm wondering, in terms of specifically speaking from a mother's perspective, if there's been a point where. Christina, you mentioned the name issue where probably you got some pushback on that, but on anything else on, in terms of how you're raising your kids or whether your kids are here or you didn't bring them there, how do you feel, uh, people have really pushed the boundaries of what our person, our own personal boundaries are and what we want to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's different with what we do, right. Because it's so, um, we're on every day. And so, it's not as if you're just doing a newscast, reading the news, and it's very separate from your personal life. You know, as we're having these conversations on air, it's often casual at times. And so there are certain kind of casual things that come up and you would talk about your life or where you're going to dinner or whatever else, you know? And so it does invite that level of familiarity with the viewers. And 99 times out of a hundred, Everybody is friendly and nice and appreciative. And the amount of times I've had people actually come to us as a team and say, you know, the you guys have through the pandemic, you're what got us through like we didn't have any place else to go or anything else to do. And we were so happy to still be able to enjoy racing and to still be able to have you in our homes. And that's really meaningful to me. But I mean, I'll be really honest. I've had a few people cross the line to the point that there's been um, secret like FBI in called in because people are mailing things and sending things and trying to get in touch with me. And I've had advice from security threat teams, to, you know, don't go to the park this week, be careful where you're going. I've, I've been really, really scared before, um, because of that 1%. So that's the downside of what we do. And as a mom, it's terrifying to think about something like that. Um, I mean, Dan had to go to one of the Ocala sales amidst one of these times when things were a little bit tricky and he paid someone to sit in our driveway, security guard overnight, all night. And I was still like terrified. Um, So I've had some hard, scary moments with viewers. Um, Luckily, they're very isolated and it's turned out to be very benign and TVG has done a great job getting to the bottom of it and putting all their resources into making sure that um, those were, Sort of investigated to the full extent and to make me feel protected but yeah it's it's hard um but i would say 99 of 100 people are appropriate and nice
0: well so that that's terrifying and i remember you telling me that story christina even as it was kind of going on and developing um you know, I've had my own issues with stalkers before in the past. And it's, it's definitely something I think being number one, being a female, you know, you're, you're hyper aware, you're very sensitive to it. But then when you're, uh, when you become a mother, I would imagine it just, you know, takes it to a whole nother level. But um, to kind of go off of that. One thing that I feel personally, like I've been struggling with is not so much that we want to tell everybody that we're having a baby, but it's so much how and when, um, you know, you go online and it's like, okay, you have to wait until you're however many weeks and you know, whatever. But at this particular time, I've only posted something on Instagram. Like we haven't done anything on Twitter nobody's really acknowledged it on tvg and that's not because i don't want that to happen it just hasn't happened and it's like an awkward conversation but obviously <laughs> i'm going to be showing it's inevitable um so and liz you kind of brought it up as well where you kind of you felt like you needed to to hide your pregnancy um i have kind of two questions that relate to this and anybody can chime in number 1 how where do you draw the line between sharing and oversharing with your family on social media? Because social media can be extremely hateful. Um, I think we're all aware of that. Um, So let's just start with that. And if you guys have
4: any stories or opinions on that particular topic. I have have a story. My pregnancy was an interesting one um, because I found out at 20 weeks that my child, I didn't know, we wanted to be surprised. I didn't know if it was a boy or girl, but we found out he was gonna have a cleft lip and a cleft palate and I got really sad. And I think I'm getting emotional because I didn't know anything about it. And oh my gosh, sorry. I've never been depressed in my life and I thought I did it and I didn't get out of bed for three days. Like everybody from Faising Tipton's like, where is she? Why is she responding? My family was freaking out. I was like, what did I do wrong? I caused this horrible thing to my child. How do I, I don't know what to do. I thought this only happened in third world countries. I didn't know who to call because I didn't know anybody who'd been through it. So looking back at how I handled the situation, I'm so sad that I made it a negative thing because it wasn't as bad as it, in my head, I went to a dark place because it can be associated with other things. And then I just went into this weird, I was already nervous about being pregnant. I was always worried about, like I said before, how my life would change. And now I was going to have a child that was going to need surgeries and who else, who knew what else was going to be wrong. That I just went into like a a sad, dark place. And I just thought the worst. And I was like, what if, you know, I'm just saying this now. and, And I've talked to a lot of other parents about this, but I was like, what if I don't love my child? What if people look at him or her and think that, you know, they're, they think that my baby's just, they're not, you're not a beautiful child. And I just kept thinking all these bad thoughts. But the one thing I kept thinking is, what did I do wrong? I did this to my child. And so for the rest of my pregnancy, I I was always nervous, anyways, about having a pregnant belly, but I hid it. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, it's bad. It's sad. I hate it. I wish that I wasn't that way, but I had the baby, and the second he was born, I looked at him and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's so freaking cute. And I just loved him exactly how he was, and like. A lot of people in the horse industry and my family just followed this child from the moment they found out that he was going to have the cleft through all the meetings with the surgeons, which right here at UK University of Kentucky Hospital, we have one of the best surgeons in the world through his first surgery, through a second surgery, ended up being something that completely changed my life and my perspective. Like Liz was saying, you think all these things are important, but it doesn't matter. There's this little child that you just need to take care of and you need to figure out how to feed him and figure out special bottles. And if he can't nurse, then you just pump and you pump wherever and whenever. And um, I think looking back, I'm embarrassed that I was ashamed of myself, but now we've set up a network. So whenever there's a child in this area, that goes to that surgeon and they find out at 20 weeks that their child is gonna have a cleft lip or a cleft palate, it's the most common birth defect and happens in animals and children, they can join a Facebook page right away and we all help them out. So we're like, here's the bottles, here's the surgeons, here's the pre-pictures, here's what you wear to the hospital for the surgery, here's what he's gonna look like afterwards. And I, that to me has been really helpful, but um, sorry, I know that's a long story of like not normal, but for me, my first pregnancy was, yeah, I hid it the whole time and I never put anything on Facebook. I wouldn't have a baby shower. So all my Notre Dame girlfriends were like, you're having a shower. This baby's coming. We're having a shower. It's going to be okay. And I remember the women and like Boyd Browning at Phasic Tipton, he was just like, Anna, we were so worried about you. You were so sad and we knew it was going to be okay. And like, they all came together and they all threw me a shower and they loved that child. The minute he was born, everybody was just texting me, send me pictures, you know? So it ended up being this like amazing experience. And He's totally fine. He's beautiful. You wouldn't even know he's had two surgeries, but, um, so that was my experience and I'm not, I wasn't trying to be negative or anything, but I just feel like everybody handles their pregnancies in a different way, especially when you're in a job or you see a lot of people in a, or are seen on TV, like you girls are, or you're around a lot of people at a sale, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever you're comfortable with. If you want to share your news, share it. But if it's something that's, it's okay to keep things private too. Like you don't have to tell the world everything on social media and that's fine. Like, I would say, no, one's going to judge you. You just do what you think is best. And then when that baby comes, you're going to want to share, you're going to want to post and you're going to want that whole world to see that baby because you're so proud. So
2: do whatever you think. is. That idea be. of protection kind of comes in right when you get pregnant, right? It's like yeah. you instantly want to protect yes. that baby. And that's, I didn't got to try and remember, I didn't make any kind of big formal announcement because it was just that exact idea of protecting, like, what if, something happens. What if something goes wrong? What if I lose this baby? What if any, you know, number of things that could happen? If the idea of having to tell even my family or my close friends something, if I had bad news as the, you know, it was all going through was scary. But then the idea of having to tell all these strangers on TV too, I didn't want to come out with a big announcement and then God forbid, like something really horrible, if it were to have happened. I didn't want to have to come out and say, you know, and here, you know, here's my truth now. And so yeah, I didn't really it was clear, obviously, as we, you know, keep on working, people figured it out. And I actually in my second pregnancy had some guy send me a tweet. I was like five or six months pregnant, something like, Hey, Christina, it's time to go on a diet, like your face (laughs) is getting really fat. And I wrote back to him, I was like, you got know, him actually, and I think this is the first time I acknowledged it on social media. I was like, I'm five months pregnant, but thanks for yeah. the insult. Gee, Liz. Like, so that was the first time I think I went right back and like told somebody, but every time I kept it to myself, cause I was just wanting to protect them and, and, you know, and my feelings too. protect my sort of emotions if God forbid something had gone wrong.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was really weird about telling people for sure. <laughs> But I think it's just like that, um, like you said, you don't really want to share it with people because you're not really totally sure if it's going to be, everything's going to go well. Um, even though you're hopeful, you don't really have anything to compare it to because you've never had that experience. Kind of like Anna was saying, when you went through, you know, finding that out at 20 weeks, you didn't have anything to compare it to. You didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, and I didn't either, uh, as far as like, just, I didn't know anyone else that had gone through the September sale of being on their feet for 17, 18 days straight like that without, you know, um, while being pregnant. And I remember the January sale, I was two weeks from giving birth and we were selling some horses and I was in the back ring and my blood pressure was going crazy. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is like my point where I need to go home. Cause I think I'm like, actually could be harming, you know, the baby. So you just have to you know, it's a struggle. Like a lot of people have desk jobs and they sit down all day, but like we travel, all of us travel. We're all on our feet a lot. We're all having to like be very active. So I think that that, that makes it harder, you know, to, to deal with. But as far as sharing it with people, I agree with Anna. It's just like, whatever you feel is the right thing to do for you is, is what you should do. But For me, I was like hiding it up until I was so big, I could no longer fit in my clothes. And actually, Gabby, I went to, um, you interviewed me Breeders' Cup Week and I was still trying to hide it. And I remember asking if the camera could just pan up here. (laughs) And I had my barber jacket and I was like, just, I remember my mom being like, you like you're not hiding it, Liz. Like you just look very <laughs> oh doing You know, like
1: it's fine, nobody knows. I'm just gonna
3: zip <laughs> my jacket up and it'll be all fine.
1: <laughs> well, up until a couple of weeks ago, I saw Gabby and I was saying, I was commenting how she looked like what I look like after a big meal. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have known, like I was like, it was so it was adorable actually. And uh, And uh, I thought, well, you know, you know, sometimes I could probably, people would say that to me, you know, like, okay, Christina, what's up, what's going on? No, this is, this
0: is really, I have two very quick stories. I'm not going to name names, but a couple years ago, I was wearing something that wasn't that flattering, I will admit, and it was actually post Del Mar. So I had eaten a lot of burritos, like, (laughs) but someone, a guy did say like are you expecting and I wasn't and I was mortified and he just wouldn't let it go I'm like no and he's like no but really I'm like no but (laughs) really so that actually happened to me one time and then recently I'll probably go like i I Would go straight to hell for this, but I was walking down the horse path at Monmouth, and some guys like Gabby, love TVG, watch you every day. I didn't know you were pregnant, and I was so close to turning around and being like, I'm not.
1: I would have played that one. The two things you never say to a woman yeah. is,
4: are you pregnant? Are
1: you pregnant, or oh, let me pick that hair off of your body? Never that hair off of your body Those two things. <laughs> Guys out in the world never do that. Either of those things. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, you know what? I want to say, when I want to ask one question to all three of you, and I'd like all three of you to, you know, to weigh in on this topic. Do you feel that having kids has changed the, tra- the trajectory or the course of your career? Do you think that in having children that, or maybe if you hadn't had children, maybe your life could have gone off? progressed into a different direction or do you think this is pretty much where you would have been regardless?
2: I can go first. I I think that for me, like that time period where I had the girls so quickly was such a blur that not that I didn't uh, progress, but I think as far as like the level of time and the level that I could commit to improving myself at work was compromised at that time you know, I'm feeling now as the girls are getting older, like I've been able to dive back in a little bit more and dedicate more of myself and more of my time, you know, they're at school. And so I have those hours where I'm free to work and to really focus on learning more and making myself more prepared and better on air. So I, th- I think for me, like, I don't think I would be anywhere different, but I think that my ambition to try and better myself just kind of plateaued for a little bit because I was really like in the weeds of trying to nurse and not sleep and everything else that there weren't enough hours in the day to be the best employee I could be for a little while, but I am coming to the point now where I'm balancing it a little bit better.
4: Yeah, I agree with Christina. Like when they're really little, it's hard and you feel like something kind of gives in your career because you can't do everything. You can't be super focused at work when you've gotten no sleep or, you know, in my case where I was very distracted because I knew these surgeries were a big part of our life for the first year and work kind of maybe took a little bit of a back seat. But then I think now as they're a little bit older and they're in a good routine and um, I say I would be, I'm more focused, like I know that my time is precious because when I get home, I want to be with the boys. So when I'm at work, I want to crank out more stuff. I want to be—I've got this many hours to get this done. So although, like right now, it doesn't matter. It's like we're just work all the time, just getting ready for these sales. But in general, like I want to be out. I want to be use my time. I want to be a better time manager because I want to be spending good quality time with my children and not be on the phone the whole time or be working. So I guess that's kind of—I don't think I'd be a different job or anything because I'm lucky I work at a company that is very family oriented, but yeah, I would say it just makes me more like really focused on, you know, let's get this stuff done, learn as much as possible and kind of time manage better.
0: <clears throat> well, and Liz for you, I mean, I know you're really in the beginning stages of this, so it's hard to, to know, I guess, like how your trajectory of your career would go, but um I'm curious, just with your work dynamic, even, you know, starting a company with Brad and uh, Weissboard, and him having a baby recently as well, like, how has that dynamic changed?
3: Um, Well, I was going to say, I think, you know, it was, he actually, his wife had their baby exactly almost to the day one year ago before I had mine. So now we've all of a sudden turned into like, focused on trying to get our one-year-old and five-month-old like up to Saratoga and like, you know, to these sales and stuff. And, you know, he's always FaceTiming her when we're at the consignment, you know, cause he doesn't travel with her as much. She kind of has her routine. Um, but it is funny how we both kind of changed in that aspect. Um, but I kind of made the, again, made the decision when I got pregnant was I'm going to, tr- this probably everyone's going to laugh at me for saying this, but I'm going to try my absolute best to not drop the ball on either and try to stay exactly the same level, um, for both. So we hired a night nanny. We hired a day nanny. Um, I just have a lot of help. Like I have my mom, she comes and does laundry. She drops off food. I have someone that comes a couple of nights a week. So I know I'm getting a solid, like six, seven hours of sleep. Um, so that I I'm spending all of my extra money for this, but my goal was to not have to really take any time off or take a step back. Um, And like, it was a big thing for me to go to OBS March, even though it wasn't like a financial decision. It's not like I needed to go in order to like make everything work. It was just that I wanted to almost prove to myself that I didn't have to take a backseat with anything. And so hopefully that can continue. Obviously when she gets older, it will be harder. I'm sure. But maybe when she jumps into school, maybe that will be easier
2: it's important to have the help too, though. I mean, I think like I, we have a nanny that helps during the week. We have a nanny that only works on the weekends because she's willing to give up all of her weekends. And just this year, I hired a housekeeper to come for two hours, three times a week, because I found that on my days off, all I was doing was cleaning up and trying to fix the chaos of what had happened during the week. Like you have to have as much help as you can afford, I think, and not be, apologetic for that because yeah, if you want to try and pour yourself a hundred percent into both, you have to have that support. And especially for all of us with, you know, husbands that work a lot as well. Like I, there isn't that other half of the relationship. That's the stay at home person for any of us. Right. So like you, somebody has to fill that gap a little bit, like some, and maybe it's a team of people. In my case, I feel like it is a team of people that are filling in for all of those little things that need to happen to make the whole kind of ship run smoothly. The
0: whole circus
2: continue on throughout the week. We had mathnasium, uh, reading, tutor, swim lessons, and a camp. And that was was Thursday, like what's happening? It was just Thursday.
1: But also the company you work for, you know, Anna obviously has mentioned her employer, uh, Physic Tipton, a couple of times, and you guys working for TBG, I've heard uh, Gabby and, of course, Christina as well. It, it's important, also. It's it's great to hear when a company actually supports. You as well. And maybe you guys can just say that because I think that should be highlighted because I think that's important. Because I did, and I'll preface
0: this by saying, you know, for this interview, I did uh, a little bit of research and I I read an op-ed back in 2018. It was published in the New York Times. And there are a lot of anecdotes from women saying one in particular, she was working for a law firm. She felt pretty confidently that she would become a partner um, in this very successful law firm, and it never happened for her after her her first child. She just felt like her, the company she worked for, didn't really support um, her having children and having a family and the progression in her career. Um, but I think that is a lot of a lot of people, a lot of women talk about that side of it. But not so much the other side of it, where your companies actually really do support you in this new venture.
1: Anna, what we? I I, I want to go back to Anna just because you had
4: mentioned it a you mentioned FASIC a couple of times, and tell me like a little bit what has your experience been in that way. Well, I'm kind of I'm a little bit of a different, because I'm the first I'd say probably the first. I am the first female at FASIC, you know, that's really done a lot of the horse side of things. You know, it's, it's been, it's a company that's been around forever, but there's not really been a female that's been interested in the horse side of things. Um, you know, we have our whole accounting department, but we have a lot of really amazing women that do cataloging and set up inspections and all that. But it's different when you're out there actually working at the sales and traveling to the races and all that. So I was kind of the first, so I, we had to figure it out as we went when I had my, and, and a lot of people have been at phasic so long their children are grown. So no one had had a baby in a long time. So I was like, who, how how does this work? How do I do this? So it's kind of like, just figure it out as we go. And Boyd, um, who's the president of Fasig-Tipton has four daughters, thank God. And he gets it. He understands like, you can't, we work really hard and we work all the time, but then there's times when you take time off and you go be with your family and he, that's important to him. And that's important to me as well. And so I feel like it's just um, not every company You know, like Liz's schedule is going to be completely different than my schedule. And then like Christina, you're not going to be, every company is going to be different. So I think it's, you just got to figure out what your company can do and how flexible can they be. And if it's, if you're, if you're new to this, then try to maybe talk to your boss and hope that they can be understanding. And um, if you, if there's times when you're traveling with your children, you know, you, I always like, my kids were always at the sales with me, but I'd always try to make sure they weren't in the way or that I wasn't like not focused on my job. So yes, if there was some downtime. I bring the boys around and people could get to see them because they want to be around your children too. But then if it was like work time, I would always make sure they were with the babysitter and not, you know, just in everybody's way and getting in the way at the sale. That's kind of how it works for me, I think. So
2: I feel hugely supported at TVG. I mean, just from the beginning, every time everybody was so happy for me, everybody was uh, helpful when I was sick. Like they had, there's a, on the desk and I had a trash can. If I got sick, there's a fan around me right here. I had like all this water and Gatorade to stay hydrated, all of our stage managers and everybody being so nice. And then just, even when I had the girls, every time it was like, come back when you're ready, when you want to, when you want to come back, because it does take you, you do have to compartmentalize your brain when you're doing this. You If you want to still be home and you're having a hard time focusing, then that's not the time for you to come back. Come back when you're really ready. So I felt from the very beginning with all three of the kids, just so much support from Kevin Grigsby and even at the HRTV days from Amy Zimmerman, from Tony Alavato when he was at TVG. Never um, did I feel like they weren't in my corner and happy for me, genuinely happy for me to be, you know, going through this life experience. And even now, like they get it. Sometimes it'll be, Hey, it's Saturday and there's a dance recital. I, can I come on at race four or race five? Yeah, go. You should be there. You should experience that because they all want us to be happy people. And a huge part of that is feeling like you're satisfied at home too. And I, it's not just the women at TVG. You know, I think all of the men feel the same way. If their kids have something that they really want to be at, they are, more than able to ask for that time and to feel supported and like everybody is wants them to enjoy their time with their family.
1: The one thing I will say is about Liz's comment about not wanting to make it a big deal at Keeneland September. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, women have been having babies since the beginning of time this is not a new concept this has been happening and and the fact that at this point it's still a big deal like a woman being pregnant in the workplace so weird big deal to me is is a little bizarre so the fact that liz you felt the need to not to kind of let's keep it on the down low because everybody's going to make a big deal and you know what probably a lot of people would have made a big deal about it um to me, that's amazing. And I think it's funny because part of me is like, well, this is what happens. (laughs) This is life. It's nature. Well, I'm
0: like nervous too, because if I'm being perfectly honest, this thought has crossed my mind. I said, I'm glad that I'm going to be announcing at the September sale and not the November sale, because someone's going to be like, Oh, another brood mare out of (laughs) the (laughs) You will,
2: you will have some more sympathy for those broodmares i remember being yeah. at the november so once and they walk in with a belly like this uh, swinging. Yeah. And you're like oh i know how you feel that's the worst when it's so big and you can't even <laughs> walk you're like poor mama just get her through there quickly so true well hopefully more
3: of us keep having you know babies and obviously it will be more normal i always say our industry is like a little bit behind the rest of the world as far as like you know i feel like this next group, this next generation, there's a lot more women in in this um, like coming up through the ranks kind of right now. So I think having a kid maybe will be a little more normalized. But I definitely think it's still like, wow, Christina has three kids and still so, somehow manages to go on air. But like, not to name names, but like another agent or another you know on air um, personality could have three kids and it wouldn't be like nobody it's a male. So nobody makes like a big deal about it, you know, and, exactly. and nobody talks about it. But like, since we're, we're the ones actually having the baby, it's such a big deal. Um, but we all know so many men that have babies in this industry. So like, boy, Browning has four daughters. Um, I think if, if we did, I think people would say, oh, there's no way she can't slow down a little bit or not make it to all the sales, but we're going to prove them wrong. <laughs>
2: It's never perfect though. It's not easy. It's never perfect. And I mean, I cry about it all the time because I feel like I'm failing at something. I've either in the day and feel like I've been a great mom or I've been a really good employee. And sometimes I feel like I've done both. But I think it's like you were saying earlier, I think we're all perfectionists. And so I'm sure that we're all too hard on ourselves. But I think that that's for our kids, a good thing. Like I'm, my girls are really confident and I'm really proud of that. And I think that they, because of our lifestyle, they're independent too. And so there's, yeah, there's times when I wish I could be with them more, but there's lessons that I think they learn through our lives and through watching me and watching Dan and our work ethic that I think are going to serve them really well in the long run, no matter what they choose to do with their lives. If they choose to stay home or if they choose to work, it's going to be hard work. So you got to have that basic life skill of just. Don't take no for an answer and keep going.
1: I think we all of you have underscored, though, that to me is the what I'm going to walk away with is it's not it's not um, everybody's solution. It's not for, you know, everybody has their own solution for themselves. So whatever is good for you and whatever you determine works for you that's, that is it. Like, and the guilt and everything else. I think as you get a little bit older, which I'm a little bit, a little bit longer in the tooth than all of you. I think if I were to have a child now, it would be what Liz was saying about the golf cart and the the pajamas. (laughs) And I would be, I'd be doing that. I'd be at every sale at every, where I used to do the heels and the dresses. I would be so super comfortable. And that happens naturally as you get older anyways. But I think you guys have all done a fabulous job and you guys have all seem to figure out how to do it and what works for you and that's the most important so it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks you sometimes get the voices from social media for people telling you what you should do but really it's what's good for you what's good for your your family and what's good for your little unit and then everything else is like okay that's it fine
0: yeah, because nobody knows the things that you juggle at the end of the day. Everybody's lives look very differently, and even whether it comes to how you handle your pregnancy, how it comes to parenting as well. Like Anna said, here, Michael Dub, just <laughs> take my baby, Be my work. child.
2: <laughs> it's humbling. As soon as you say you won't do something with one of your kids, event you know, it happens yeah. to you. It's yeah. like you learn really quickly that. There's no room for any judgment because you don't know what you're going to experience as the days and years come. And you just want to, you got to be that person that pays it forward and helps other people because you never know when you're going to be in that circumstance that you thought never in a million years would I hand my kids an iPad all morning because I had to study for work today. I'm like, here, I have some McDonald's pancakes. Watch your iPad. Just leave me alone.
4: Yeah, I got to work. I got to do it. (laughs)
2: all right well That's thank delicious. you guys so
0: much and good luck with everything this weekend and and next week especially <laughs> in saratoga um, so thank you, girls good we'll luck I'm we'll yeah,
1: good luck We're excited for you yeah. yes we are Meg, thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you thank you guys for joining it was awesome in general, Christina, I think
0: it's such an important conversation to have because a lot of women in, in this industry, I think, probably want to start families, but are to take that step. And this, the conversations that we have had today with these three guests, um, I think it's, it will inspire that.
1: Well, I think I want to applaud their candor and also letting us into some very uh, personal mm-hmm. and in, you know challenges that they faced through the course of their pregnancy and also maybe early on having very young children. Uh, and maybe some of the challenges they face today. But I really applaud them because it was fun. We laughed, Uh, you know, we we cried. cried. (laughs) It was better than cats, I'm telling you that. (laughs) We laughed, we
0: cried. It really just hits all the emotions and pulls at your heartstrings.